Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fluently Forward. Happy 2022, everyone. I usually am not much for like the whole New Year thing and everything like that. I personally, I follow the belief that I think New Year's Eve should be in September because to me, that's just when I think because of the start of school, it feels like, oh, fresh start, fresh page, not like the middle of a dark winter, January. Well, if you're on my side of the uh, hemisphere, that is. But I have to say, good vibes for 2022. I hope you guys had a fun time celebrating. Um, I don't know. I just feel like we had a shitty two years, and I can just feel it in my bones that it's going to be better. So I hope you're feeling the same way too. And I just wanted to say up top, um, a huge, massive thank you to everyone who listens. Anyone who's listened to even a second of this podcast or left a review, a five-star one, that is. <laughs> um, or anyone who's like recommended this to a friend. Uh, it, it's just been fantastic. You've made my 2021 a very exciting year that I didn't think it would be. So without any more corniness, um, throwing tomatoes, throwing tomatoes, let's get into the episode Today, I'm talking with Malls. She's fantastic. I'm so excited for you to hear her. Um, And we are doing blind items on different influencers and kind of like social media stars and things like that. The blind items on them, you know, I like to kind of look at blind items and be a little bit skeptical and let you know which ones I think are real and which ones I think aren't. Some of these blind items seem a little bit fan fiction-y, but, you know, at the very least, it's all entertainment. And we also just spend a lot of time kind of gossiping (laughs) about influencers and social media stars, which is like my favorite thing to do because there's no People magazine for Instagram models. But like, I'm obsessed with talking shit about them and trying to find out what's going on in their life and who they're dating, etc. So we're going to get into it and stay tuned afterwards for some trending topics and some anonymous insider tea that I've gotten in the DMs. Hello, hello, everyone. I am here today with Malls of two different podcasts. You might have seen me um, on her Trend Lightly podcast. She also has another podcast called Mother May I Sleep With Podcast, which is all about lifetime movies. And today we are going to be talking about blind items and just kind of like general gossip and blinds on celebrity or sorry, uh, internet influencers. So I'm talking TikTokers, YouTubers, vloggers, uh, Instagram models, things like that. So welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm so happy to be here. You know, I'm your biggest fan. So (laughs) this is very exciting. And I loved when you came on, we did like a bonus episode for trend lightly with you and Mm -hmm. it was great. So I'm just pumped to be back with you, girl. Yeah. And, and the episode we did over on trend lightly, was all about kind of Taylor Swift blind items um today i sometimes i do you ever have those moments where you step outside of yourself and i'm like okay right now we're talking about like blind items on internet celebrities it it just feels very meta because i feel like it's already kind of it's all it's already a little bit of a guilty pleasure to talk about blind items of celebrities but now to have it be internet celebrities i'm like ooh, this feels kind of dirty but i'm excited to do it yeah it, it is weird in general to talk about these out loud because as we all know who knows yeah and i do think there's like truth to a lot of it these internet ones do have a, a weird taste to all of them though that they very much feel like fan fiction mm-hmm. or something that's like generally above empty yeah we're I'm gonna put out a, a massive disclaimer right now uh a lot of these blinds we kind of looked them over beforehand when I pulled them and a lot of them are insane so I think you know you and I will do a good job of kind of saying which ones we 
you know, stand behind and which ones we don't, but I just will say this episode might be a little bit more unhinged than typical episodes. Well, I think there's also something interesting in whoever like submitted these, right? Like what's their manner of thinking? If they're going to send this in, what are they trying to assume or trying to paint this person as? Because, you know, in general, all of these people were just regular people who either stumbled into fame or were aiming for a very specific like brand on YouTube. Yes. And you know what I also find interesting with these blinds too? Um, and I'll go over the list of everyone we're going to talk about, but with most celebrities in Hollywood, the blinds, let's say it's about drugs and let's say it's about yachting or sleeping with people. Everyone's like, oh my God, there's no way celebrities could do that. Absolutely not. And then you take it one step down with inner internet celebrities. And you have someone like Tana Mojo herself, who was like, hi, I did Molly this past weekend. She's like on her YouTube channel being like, I did Molly this past weekend. And I was on seeking arrangements looking for a sugar daddy. So I feel like internet celebrities are this kind of great blend of like, you know, a little bit Hollywood celebrity. Like they kind of talk about the blinds themselves because that's how they make their career by talking about the most scandalous things they get up to. Exactly. So if they want to hide something, they must really want to hide it. Yes. Otherwise, otherwise it would be a story time on YouTube. Exactly. Or it just simply doesn't exist. So (laughs) it will be, it'll be interesting. I'm excited. So there's a few different people we're going to cover. We're going to go over the folks from David Dobrik's vlog squad. We're going to do some YouTubers. So that's like Jeffree Star, Tana Mojo, Trisha Paytas, Onision, the Logan Paul brothers, James Charles, and then we're going to do some TikTokers, Addison Ray and Charlie D'Amelio. Uh, Olivia Jade is on here. I feel like she's kind of a mix of all of them. And then we're going to round things out with Caroline Calloway, who is kind of like that Instagram world. Okay, so we have some blinds here, mostly on David Dobrik and Corinna Kampf. And I've pulled some um, kind of like gossip items on the original squad. But I would love to know just your take on the vlog squad, because for those who don't know, there was that huge scandal where David Dobrik, he basically does these um, weekly vlogs with his entire friend group. And about, I'd say like a year, maybe two years ago, this Business Insider article came out that said one of the bits in David Dobrik's vlog that he had filmed was actually um, the rape of a woman. So a girl had come over to party with these guys, these members of the vlog squad. They got her drunk. She had sex with one of them. It was non-consensual. And David Dobrik filmed it kind of like before, during, and after, and then posted the video to YouTube. And it turned into this whole mess where it was like, okay, well, this member of the vlog squad was the one to commit the assault, but how much did David Dobrik know about it or not know about it? And it just kind of turned into this huge cancellation. Um, They kind of excommunicated that member of the vlog squad, but a lot of people are like, if you're filming it, you are responsible for this. What were your thoughts with everything that happened there? Well, we actually did a two hour episode about this when it came out because Mm. my co-host, my first co-host on the show was um, like, I think like a 45 year old man. So Mm. this was really out of his, I don't know, not even in his peripheral basically. And, um, you know, listen, I actually, you know, I really was rooting for David, honestly, for a very long time. I thought, I thought he was like an interesting young creator, not necessarily 
something that's like my kind of go-to watch, but Mm -hmm. I feel the same way about Mr. Beast, for example, like just as a Capricorn and also being of that like age where um, they'd maybe be like a, uh, like my parents late in life, baby type of sibling. Mm-hmm. I feel like very proud watching these young creators build viable businesses and change their lives and do good with it. And I thought that he had such a positive energy. I think that that's why Hollywood liked David Dobrik so much. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was quite obvious that, there's just a problem within YouTube, I think, where they give people all of this access and money and they sort of half back these people. Like there's definitely stars, right? Like they were very much behind someone like Logan before the suicide forest or they, you know, David was one of their mascots, basically same with James Charles, but there's no, any sort of like liaison or mentorship relationship that they have with these young people. I think that they should offer that though, because we see this so much. I mean, people are not used to life-changing money. And I do have this, you know, theory of like, you should not be making more than like a hundred thousand dollars a year until you're 30. Like you just really like that kind of money. No one should be a millionaire under 30. Um, it's just not one of the things too, that, uh, when David Dobrik did his apology and I think, I think it was the second apology because after all of this happened, he did one apology where he kind of, he kind of minimized everything a little bit. And then there was even more backlash. So he did a second apology and it was in that second apology that he said he was going to have something like an HR department and people looking over every vlog. And I found that interesting because yeah, like you said, there's millions and millions of dollars, you know, running around HR departments. They only exist within companies because there was, it's like when that sign is put up at a restaurant that says no skateboarding. It's like that sign was only put up because somebody skateboarded and had an accident, you know? So HR departments like exist for a reason. And if you are building a business, it doesn't matter if it's a YouTube business, you still need to have those policies in place. And people like David Dobrik and um, Logan Paul, even, even just with my nine to five job and podcasting, I get so burnt out. I'm like, okay, I just have to like push something out, push something out. If you are a daily or weekly vlogger, I can't even imagine there's no time for you to sit and think, "Mm, is this video the right video? How does it look? Am I doing everything? Because you're just in a constant state of move, 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 move. There's no time for reflection. No, absolutely not. And especially with David's vlogs, it became about doing things bigger and better. David would be giving away cars in a vlog and not even clickbaiting it oh, I guess we don't have Zane drunk in this. So why don't we give someone a car? One of the weirdest things that I think is weird about David Dobrik and no one really talks about is that a lot of his videos are getting his friends drunk and having his friends hook up with girls. And those are two things that David Dobrik really doesn't do. Like in his latest vlogs, you'll see him taking a shot now or having a sip of a Corona. But for years he was like, I just don't drink. I just don't like it. It's, you know, whatever. But he's always getting his friends hammered. And then there's all these compilation videos of like David Dobrik rejecting women for 20 minutes because there's this huge trope around like David Dobrik, you know, he must be still in love with Liza because he hasn't ever hit on someone or been that interested in dating, but he's always getting his friends to kiss 
ladies on camera and like hook up with them. And I do find it a little bit insidious and weird that like David Dobrik is filming and make other people, making other people participate in things that he himself doesn't do. It's very much, you know, do as I say, not as I do. And I just find it, I don't know. I just find it weird. I mean, if you saw the Law and Order SVU episode, that was clearly based on David and the Vlog Squad. Diggy Wheeler was the name okay. of the character. And it was just so I would never leave the house again. Like I would have deleted my channel. It was such just a read on him being this sort of sexless, lame, sort not, he's not the party. He's not the attraction. And for me, that is the truth about David Dobrik is that mm. he has this, this weird thing where first he, you know, kind of wants to be Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Kind of wants to be, you know, the heartthrob. He does have those, like, you know, that puppy dog sort of look to him yeah. that I think w he wore better when he was younger. I feel yeah. like it's starting, it's a little strange now that he's like 26 and so like uneducated, honestly. Yes. Um, but he is not interesting. And his friends were always the more interesting ones. They were always the ones who were more ready to have fun. They're all ex-Viners. I don't, I just don't know where David fits in if he's not the guy that's like riling everyone up off camera and mm -hmm. laughing and daring people to like go bigger and better. And I do have a theory that a lot of his friends they laugh the way they do and they go as hard as they do because they just want to get out of there. And Ooh. they know that he will keep them doing takes over and over and trying to just like improv more jokes and more jokes. And the way that they laugh is like, it's like people just trying to go home. It's a very hard laugh, like get it out now, you know, without further ado, I mean, let's get into some of these blinds. Um, I would, like I said, I don't think I believe these. There's one that like, I don't even want to read, but it was from, you know, NT on crazy days and nights. And it was basically saying that uh bad baby, right? She, she did a couple of videos. She was uh, featured in some of the vlog squad videos. And they said that basically um, this A-list influencer who got her start on a talk show, bad baby is still underage. She's seen and been through a lot these past few years when it comes to grown men wanting to hook up with her by the time she was 14 or 15. She was never scared from any of them, just grossed out by most. She was scared though, when the foreign born a plus list YouTuber and his co-star threatened to gang rape her, she knew they were serious and she never let herself be alone with them. And they say that's about David Dobrik and Jason Nash. And I gotta say, I think that one's a crock of shit, mostly because I've heard so many rumors online that David Dobrik is a cuck and that's what he's into. Well, this one is actually true. Ooh. And I can, I can tell you that I, it's like 99.9% .9 true because there was a deleted vlog of David's. I think you can find it somewhere reposted because I had heard somewhere like I don't know maybe I saw it on Twitter or something that he got he had to take down a video he did with the <sighs> catch me outside girl and like the clip is she's just very uncomfortable and they're kind of it's like a, a mixture of them 
kind of doing her bit back to her, but then uh-huh. also kind of like a Dr. Phil, like you're a bad girl type thing. Ooh. And she, and she was, was, she was underage at the time, right? Yeah. This okay. was when, she, you, you know, how she seemed like she was going to be 15 for 12 years. Like yes. she just was 15 forever. Yeah. This was during that time. It got taken down. They also, cause Dom, was the one that brought her in. And I believe he also, I think there's still a video out there of them with Whoa Vicky. There was something about that bit that made David take it down, which as you know, from the insider article and everything else, like he just does not like to take his videos down. down. Yeah, yeah. And this was the peak of him making like mage money. This was like, he wasn't using copywritten music. He was just bringing home like $250,000 a month. Good God. Okay. Interesting. I did find it really weird how they worked with her. And also I will say like, what, what are your thoughts on Jason Nash? Because everyone knows it's not even a blind item. It's, you know, it's a told by the mouths of them item that when Tana Mojo was 17, Jason Nash uh tried to kiss her in a dressing room and there's been all these jokes about him having threesomes with tana mojo and things like that and you know he is 20 plus years older than everyone he hangs out with what kind of vibe do you get from jason nash well part of me feels really sad for him his entire life does seem sad doesn't it it's like very depressing and so that part of me is like oh you know what his life has been hell his life is hell but at the same time like let him have what like kissing a 17 year old in a dressing room or a 19 year old you know that I don't know he's allowed to have it's I mean it's strange and I think that anytime people get influence they you know they just become more permissive and I think that he probably allowed himself to do this because he's he is experiencing that like you know, long rush that you get on YouTube of sort of being untouchable, especially when the vlog squad was at its peak, which was, I think, after this Tana thing, I think they really started to peak a little bit later. Yeah. Well, have you heard the rumor that, and I meant to insert the Dumois blind here, but I couldn't find it online, but I remember this was back around the time of the allegations or elegant, no, I had it right. Allegations. allegations. You said it right. By the way, I kind of love that you're ESL. Like I <laughs> when I went I've... live today, someone was like, I love your accent. And I was like, I just have speech problems. I know, but like, didn't you say that you were raised in like three different all English speaking countries? But like yeah, I had a weird ac- is... I had like a jumbled mix of like three different accents for a little bit. I think I have that too. So did you, did you grow up overseas? I know I grew up in Massachusetts, which is like its own kind of speech impediment. Oh, totally. I mean, different area. It's crazy how across the United States, there's like 10 different dialects kind of. Okay. So there was a Dumois blind and it was after the allegations and it was saying, it was kind of picking up on rumors that were happening at this time where people were saying that David is a cuckold and he is a little bit like asexual because there was also, I think Liza Koshy did a YouTube interview and in the interview, they were like, you know, what was, they asked something around like sex with your last partner or like how many times you've had an orgasm during sex or something like that. And she basically alluded to like not really having orgasms during sex or like not having sex that often. So that was paired with these rumors that David Dobrik was a cuck And he just liked watching other 
people hook up, but not doing anything himself. And there was a Dumois blind of someone who was like, I live in New York city. And every time David Dobrik comes here, like we have a thing where like, I will hook up with my boyfriend in front of him in a hotel room. And of course, like I do not take Dumois at face value. So I'm not going to say if I think it's true or not, but I could see David Dobrik. He just seems, I just think you put any other 26 year old boy in his position with his status and his wealth they're going to be having sex with Madison beer when she offers it to them. And I find it insane that David Dobrik isn't right. I know. I agree. Listen, so we do, we're in a little bit of an epidemic of people not knowing jokes when they see them. Yeah. I really thought the Liza Koshy thing was a joke. Mm -hmm. I don't think like she was joking that she had had bad sex or something. I forget what it was. She even said. I, it was like a comedy podcast too. So, you know, you're sitting there talking to a comedian and they're asking you if you've ever orgasmed, like what's funnier <laughs> saying yes or no. Yeah. You're not like, on sex with Emily. You're not like at the OBGYN you're on a comedy podcast, <laughs> but I do agree. David is definitely a watcher. I don't know what's yes. going on with that. Truthfully. I think he's a porn addict. Um, oh, I could so see that he talks about porn on like any podcast I've ever listened to of his, sometimes those clips will pop up on YouTube and I'm like, well, why not YOLO? Like, I'll just listen to a little podcast clip and every single clip is, is something like, what's like the craziest thing you've done in bed. And like, he has no, he doesn't have any experience (laughs) that he is talking about, but a lot of it's like, he wants to listen to other people's sexual experiences. Yes. And he talks constantly about porn. And I think that's why he was so obsessed with Trisha Paytas back when she was part of the vlog squad, because she would just bear all with all of her sexual stories. And David Dobrik was like a kid in a candy store asking for more and more experiences for Trisha to like retell these stories, which like, of course, we all love hearing Trisha talk about her crazy sex stories. They're like so fun to listen to. But David, it would be interesting because it would be David, Jason and Trisha together. And Jason would be like, okay, Trisha, that's enough. And David would be like, no, 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 keep going. Well, also, you know, Trisha is, you know, Trisha is definitely someone that's like fascinating for sure. And she definitely speaks in a very detached way from a lot of the things that have happened to her. But yeah. David never really treated her like she was a real person. Trisha is surreal. Okay. <laughs> but she is a person who has, probably lived most of the experiences she's told us about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I felt that he always spoke to her in a very insensitive way. And, And I do think that empathy sometimes takes a little bit longer to kick in in sheltered people. It seemed so surreal to him that he was unable of like grasping, I don't know, the serious dark undertones of some of the stuff she was talking about, like someone shoving a candlestick in her ass. Yeah, I was I was we are so synced. I was literally thinking of the candlestick story. Um, (laughs) But I also think David Dobrik, like you said, when it comes to empathy, the act of empathy, right, is putting yourself in someone else's shoes and really empathizing with the situation they're going through. And you saw him treat Trisha like a caricature. You also saw him treat all of his friends as just like these characters that they were playing up. Um, I will say there's just two things I want to cover with Vlog Squad. One is with Corinna. 
this was pretty interesting. Um, there was a blind item and once again, I don't know if I believe this, but Corinna is now a streamer. She's like a gamer and she has a exclusive partnership she had with Facebook gaming. She was like one of the first creators to kind of be on Facebook gaming. And I think she got a huge payout because of that. And we basically had a blind item once again from crazy days and nights saying that there was kind of a casting couch sort of thing going on where young TikTok stars and influencers will sleep with technology executives who then land them exclusive contracts and big paydays. And they said the biggest of this is Corinna Kampf, who actually slept with David Dobrik to get her first big break and then became the personal play toy of this executive, Mark Zuckerberg, at a company, Facebook. There are much bigger, these are much bigger paydays than any actress would get for a role. So there's a lot of competition for these million dollar paydays and the things you have to be willing to do is also amped up. This one, I don't think I believe because being the personal play toy of Mark Zuckerberg just sounds so insane to me. I wouldn't doubt that Corinna Kampf has used her sexiness to get ahead, but I don't think Mark Zuckerberg has sex. I think he's a robot. I mean, that's the dead giveaway. If there was any (laughs) that also in the idea that she slept with David Dobrik, who she like begs to just like suck his dick. Yeah. Yeah. She'll like, I'll do anything. Um, you know, this is, this is like fanfic. I don't think Corinna lies about who she is. That's, that's the truth. And I think that if, you know, she's been pictured on yachts with like old men. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I saw that on the H3 Reddit or something a while back. Um, I think that she's, if she was sleeping with some wealthy old man, uh, she'd post about it. Yeah. She's not ashamed of that type of stuff. And I don't think she should be. I think if I looked like Corinna, I'd be doing that too. I, I think Corinna is one of the most like beautiful people I've ever seen in my life. Um, and yeah, she's, she's also open too. She's like, yeah, I hooked up with Tana Mojo or, you know, Todd and I did this and he cheated on me. It's just, she has a track record for being very honest. Um, and she talks about the DJs that she sleeps with and things like that. So I don't know. I I'd agree with you. This one seems like fanfic. And then the last blind here, we have one about David Dobrik and Liza Koshy saying the young couple who are A-plus list internet famous split when the female found out that her male significant other prefers men to women. Um, Thoughts on David Dobrik allegedly being gay? Listen, I don't know. There's something going on with him. I don't know what it is. (laughs) I mean, I thought that Liza dated a woman. I thought Liza would have been the gay one. I mean, maybe they both are bi. Like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure if that's why they broke up though. Truthfully, if I was lies, I'd just be over it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember there was a point too, where like David would typically include Liza at the end of his vlogs and he would get her a present. And half of the time she was just like, I know you're going to put a reptile on me. Please don't, please don't. And I just think it must be exhausting to be in a relationship like that, where you don't know if you're actually going to get surprised or if you're going to be pranked or if this is because they love you or if it's because they just need content for that week. Yeah. I think she grew out of like this symbiotic relationship that they had with content content creating. Yeah. Now the last person I want to talk about, there aren't any blinds on her, but there is a little bit of internet gossip. So Natalie, David's, you know, assistant turned vlog squad member. I find her very interesting because she kind of came to the vlog squad late in the game, even though she's known David since childhood and people immediately were very taken with her. And I see a lot of Natalie 
in Emily Mariko on TikTok because she's like a plain, very beautiful girl next door, kind of non-offensive person who's not like really saying anything offensive or doing anything offensive, just there, pretty popular. And then over time, people just kind of start to hate her for not really being offensive and just being pretty and just being there. Um, I don't know what to call it. Maybe it's the Emily Mariko effect, but what are your thoughts on Natalie? Oh, that's so, have people turned on Emily Mariko? I've just seen it in her comments where all of a sudden it's turning, turning into like privilege and like, oh, she's like too perfect. She's like putting out this uh, ideal that nobody can do. And it's just like, she's, she's literally making video, the same video that she made six months ago, but now it has a completely different narrative around it. It's weird. I mean, let's be real. Like, I don't know why anyone wouldn't have thought she was wealthy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There was nothing about her lifestyle. Yes. And like, I don't know, like the farmer's market hall of it all. Like I'm still Mm -hmm. shocked by, you know, there are plenty of people who can eat raw foods all day um, and like whole raw foods, but the lifestyle that she was portraying is of someone who has time. Yes. Despair. And most people don't have that. So that should have been a dead giveaway to me um i think natalie is um i mean i think it's a little different i think that what happened with the natalie and people turning on her is like first of all you have all these little girls who love all of these boys and this mm-hmm. group and she has all of their affection and so there's one reason for people to dislike her to start to poke holes in her character and then Especially I when think she it, starts dating one of them and dating Todd. Exactly. And yeah. then I think, um, you know, a lot of people, they, sh- you know, they really pushed that ship really hard with yeah. Natalie and David and that, um, you know, that also doesn't fare well for her, but I do think that some of her, like a little bit of uh, entitlement, maybe, shows up with her because like she did sort of luck into the job of the century yes yes and she said comments before too where like jason i feel like will make fun of how easy her job is and she'll push back being like no like i am the brains behind this entire operation i do xyz and i think it's little comments like that that kind of make people roll their eyes um there was also there was a former, so a girl who used to be one of the assistants of David Dobrik back in the day, kind of started spilling the tea on Instagram stories a couple months ago. And she started leaking all of these screenshots of her text messages, because basically when Dom came out about these allegations, which he took like nine and a half years to make a statement about it. But when he finally did, up, like showing up next to him was a girl who used to work for David Dobrik. And she was basically saying she was team Dom and all of this, which you would have to be absolutely fucking crazy to be team Dom and all of that, but whatever. And she went to her Instagram stories and she was spilling the tea and she was saying that Natalie is in love with David and she gets really mad when people say that they're not going to end up together and that she called a lot of the girls in the different YouTube videos whores and things like that. And It just made people think, okay, like, is Natalie actually obsessed with David and, you know, her calling these girls in the video whores, even though I think she was doing that in response, like she wasn't the original one to say it, does Natalie think that she's better than everyone else? And I think that 
I don't know, call me crazy, but I do think that Natalie views herself as better than other. I think she has a little bit of like, not like the other girls syndrome. And I think that she kind of looks down on Corinna a little bit. Um, Probably. I mean, listen, they're also all 24 and yeah. like, I'm not going to say that I had the best character when I was that age. Like I would shit talk on text and be like, Oh, if my I would put things today, in print. Yeah. <laughs> if my text got leaked, I would be like, I'm just going to log off. Cause I'm never coming back from this. What I think happened with Natalie is frankly, what I think would happen to most people. And they just aren't, they've never been in a position to know that that wouldn't happen to them. But when you're t- 24 years old and you are sort of entitled to some of it. You're this guy's best friend and you've been friends since you were a child. And you, I I think Natalie did really step up David's game. If we're being honest, like Mm. that's things started to get a lot um, bigger and better in his vlogs. Um, I think like the 420 vlog was the real shifting point because that's when he gave away his first cars and she you know, was like his errand boy. She did all like, you know, the setup basically. And so, um, you know, listen, I, I can't say that the way she's acting is okay. I also can't say that like, I wouldn't have acted that way at 24. Um, and I, and I can't imagine honest. I don't, I don't think people are being honest with themselves if they think that it wouldn't get to their heads. If they all of a sudden had, all this money, all this access, basically like a golden ticket to go anywhere or do anything they want. Um, being above the law, you know, the, the vlog squad, David was driving around and getting pulled over without a license or any sort of ID on him mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. Um, and the cops would just let him go because like, you know, you've reached mainstream celebrity status. Yeah. I feel like that leads us pretty squarely into um, the Paul brothers, which I feel like if YouTube was a college degree, the Paul brothers would be like their own class. Like they are just like a case study for, so they, they, you know, they started out on Vine, then they were huge on YouTube. They kind of, I feel like popularized daily vlogging in a way no one else did. And they became massively wealthy, massively successful. um, And you know, they've kind of branched out into their own things, but now it's very interesting. They're moving into the world of fighting and they're now like box YouTubers turned boxers and podcasters and they really do it all. So before we get into the blind items, what was your take on the Paul brothers? Um, well, I'm like very much too old to have you know, ever watched them sincerely in any way. I found out about Jake because of the um, West Hollywood stuff. And I think I picked up on that because of also H3. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Logan, I don't really remember how I first heard of him, but the suicide forest was definitely like my turning point for sort of taking interest in what he was doing. Um, and, you know, listen, I love the fighting. I do. I think mm-hmm. it's so watchable. The first Logan Paul KSI fight, I think it was like seven hours of <laughs> pre-fighting, like all these like little undercards. And yeah. what I loved about it is oh, that- they started making music video diss tracks towards each other too. It was just pure entertainment. They, they both really know how to entertain. It's just prime entertainment. It's prime entertainment. 
Uh, I didn't really like I, I I guess the Shane Dawson series also opened my eyes a lot to yes. what was going on with them. Now, what was your take on that? Because I found the Shane Dawson series on Jake Paul. I just thought there are a lot of people who need redemption arcs and things like that. Um, like, for example, you know, everything that happened with TanaCon, I think Tana needed a reality check, but I think she's a good person at the heart of it all. Jake Paul, I think, is rotted. There, there are both blind items, but also crimes and allegations against these two. So let me pull out the ones here that are just kind of about um, the assault cases and things like that. So there have been multiple different allegations against Jake Paul. I remember one, you probably heard about this one on H3, where um, a woman said that he... Uh, basically orally raped her did you hear about that yeah actually yes I and do then remember King that. star made some weird video being like how do you get orally raped just close your mouth and don't let it happen and everyone was like or did you actually just say that it's like ridiculous um, yes that was more recent that's right yeah. okay yeah i mean i believe that that happened 100 percent. so there have been a bunch of issues there um there's one blind item here saying I've been calling out both YouTube brothers for years about their sexual assaults. Even when victims come forward like this past weekend, nothing. And this was referring to that um, TikTok star, Justine Paradise, who came out saying nothing ever happens to the brothers. At this point, they must feel like they can get away with drug sales, arm sales, rapes and whatever else, because no one has done anything to stop them. And then there was also another blind. Let me see if I could pull it up here. Um, it was basically about, yes, this was it. In addition to being abusers of women, this pair of YouTube stars are also transphobic and freaked out when one of the women they drugged to rape was transgendered. Since then, they want nothing to do with anyone they suspect of being transgendered. And there was a lot of, uh, there was a transgender woman. There were a lot of stories. Basically, Jake Paul had this Team 10 house and it was this mansion and they used to have parties. And there were a lot of different girls who came out on social media and said, there are roofies at this party and Jake Paul and his friends will take advantage of you if you go. So like, please be safe and don't go. Did you hear about any of that? I did hear about that. And I remember, so Lila, I think is the name of the trans girl who was kicked out of his house mm -hmm. um, or just like not allowed into a party. And it kind of lines up with like the first half of what you were saying. Um, first of all, Tana manages her. Oh, okay. Which is fascinating that Tana Mojo's managing anyone's career. I was going to say she can't even like show up to her own interview on time. How is she going to manage someone? But um, Lila does work, I think, pr predominantly as a sex worker now. Mm. But I, I mean, yeah, I absolutely. I believe all of this stuff. And I will... I will just like sort of push back on the, you know, they think they can get away with the sexual assault stuff forever. Like, unfortunately, most guys do. That's the whole yeah. problem. I mean, besides the act itself, the whole problem is that it's impossible to prove. It's like, um, you know, I mean, I don't if anyone's ever been in the position of this happening, you know, like, is it worth reporting or do you want to go through that? the whole time you know are you gonna get like shamed if you talk about it like are mm -hmm. is that gonna be associated with you forever yeah i mean it's just crazy enough like even 
what is it? I think it's basically, let's just say myself and any other woman I've talked to, I haven't met a woman yet who hasn't had an experience with sexual assault, sadly. Um, And I know myself and my friends, like we've never reported anything that happened to us because it's just like, you have to have the evidence and like, it's not really worth it. And like, if it happened so long ago, like nothing's going to be done. So what's the point? And if we feel that way about these, like nobodies that we've had bad experiences with, I can't even imagine if my nobody was actually Logan or Jake Paul. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I hate to say it. I don't know if I would have the guts to do anything about it. No, absolutely not. No. I mean, the only, the only advantage, I guess, quote unquote, that these victims might have is that they can post a YouTube video and potentially, you know, harm them on their greatest platform. But most of these girls also don't go to the police, you know? Um, So it's kind of a pick one or the other. And I think the harassment that you get when you go after one of these guys is so much more intense than even if you were to accuse like a frat brother and his whole frat is going to like make your life a living hell on campus. It's it's like that, but 12 year olds who don't even know like the words they're saying. I just think of how bad it was um, when Alyssa Violet made that video saying, you know, Jake Paul, you were like cheating on me and you know you wanted us to be a couple but I would also have to hear you have sex with girls in the house we lived in every night and Jake basically admitted that that was true what she was saying and even then hordes and hordes of 12 year old fans went after Alyssa Violet being like you dumb bitch you're so ugly blah 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 just like these minions who love Jake Paul and it's like she literally is the victim in that situation and Jake doesn't deny that it happened and you're still gonna go after her so I can't even fathom you know how people how Jake Paul's minion fans would go after someone that he says is a liar well there was definitely many fucked up things about that series Shane made. It was very interesting that that was so mishandled by Shane. I thought that was very telling. Yeah. Um, and probably just more frustration for her to get dragged out once again, but this time by like the most famous YouTuber and have him sort of minimize what she went through. But I remember Alyssa was talking about how Jake Paul would push her down the stairs, push her into a bush for a video. Uh, We have on camera him like throwing her into the pool when she doesn't want to go in, doing all these things she doesn't want to do, spitting on her, choking her, all of this stuff. And I think Shane, I think it was word for word. He goes, but he never like punched you or hit you in the face. Right. And it's like, she just listed out nine types of abuse that he did to her, you know? Meanwhile, an episode ago, you have Jake being like, yeah, my dad was really mean to me. And Shane going, you were abused. You were abused. But if you do the same thing to Alyssa Violet, it's just because you had a bad childhood. So everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Can Um, we talk about big Mike? (gasps) Oh my God. Yeah. I don't have any blind items on big Mike, but I hate that man with every fiber of my being. Everything about him triggers me in such a deep seated way. I really can't even describe it. What are your thoughts on big Mike? So I floated this on Trend Lightly like a month ago, and I've seen other people sort of pick up on it. And I'm like pumped that people are finally like seeing what I've seen, which is that I think Mike keeps Logan sick. 
Yes. Yes. Did you see the recent H3 H3 thing where Logan was basically saying like, I have a cry for help. Like I am not doing okay. And Mike was like, ha ha ha, you'll be fine. I was addicted to heroin. Ha ha ha. It's all about me. Yeah. And um, Logan has apparently been like taking massive amounts of painkillers. Yes. And which is heroin, by the way. That's how it starts. And I'm sure like Mike didn't start, you know, shooting a needle either. Yeah. Um, so it, it's um, I, I feel like Logan was kind of doing well mm-hmm. for a minute and getting, you know, getting ready for the fight in Puerto Rico. And then he came back and um, there was a clip on Deaf Noodles the other day of Mike trying to start the podcast because Logan was apparently like you know strung out in the driveway like taking pictures of someone i don't it wasn't really clear what was going on but when logan came back in he was like sweaty and aggravated and he just seemed like i don't know it seemed like either doing okay you know when some people take painkillers like they get angry yeah it seemed like that I think that, and I, it infuriates me so much that people are like, oh yeah, Big Mike came around after the suicide uh, forest incident and he was really the one that like helped Logan get his life back on track and like, way to go, Mike, he's the coach. He's the one that like put Logan on the path. I have just always had... He reminds me of Randall from Monsters, Inc., that creepy little purple snake that can like camouflage <laughs> into different things. And like, I just think Mike is sinister and not to quote The Bachelor, but I think he's there for the wrong reasons. I get complete clout chasey vibes of him. And what I hate too is that he owes everything to Logan. And there have been so many different instances of him shit talking Logan to other people. And it's like, do not bite the hand that feeds you. But Logan takes him back every single time. And I don't know why. I mean, the guy's a fraud. Like, let's just yeah. call him what he is. Like, he was the brand manager for love sack like the beanbag company and then the suicide forest (laughs) happened and you could tell like mike just sort of swept in and he (sighs) does have that sort of charm that i think a person of like a certain it's like the way a narcissist has charm you know he can talk yes yes but i feel like mike is like sort of more limited like i feel like he like logan is his exact target audience yeah where it's like he's smart but he's not like that smart and i think mike just saw this young kid who needed a total like brand reinvigorating mike is you know kind of his jason nash he's a lot older than him he had gone through this like horrible experience and i feel like he just sort of seduced logan and was really good at hyping him up and yes manning him but also you know when logan was about to commit a crime Mm -hmm. say like hey we should rethink that or whatever Mm -hmm. and those are basically like he was just teaching him empathy i think or like how to appear as a decent person Mm -hmm. but when you're in a situation like that and you've gained fame because you've sort of like rehabbed this guy and he's doing well you're gonna lose your job eventually and so i think he sort of sat by and and let logan be mediocre and i think that you know they've been doing drugs for a while i know that for mike is the type of person who's like sober from his drug of choice yes yeah um but but it is sad because 
you know, as problematic as Logan Paul is, and I, I do think he changed for the better after the suicide force, you know, I think a, a wake up call of that magnitude was definitely needed for him. That being said, if influencers were horses that you bet on at the racetrack, I think I would put about 95% of my chips into Logan Paul. Cause I do think that he's smart because I think he can think on his feet He's incredible at entertaining. He knows when things are getting stale. Like he was the first one to make the transition from Vine to YouTube. He was the first YouTuber to then have a podcast. He was the first person to then get into boxing. Like I feel like he has his finger is on the pulse. He knows when something's getting old and he knows how to reinvent himself for something new. So I think he's going to be around for a while. He's just got this incredible work ethic when it comes to putting out content and creating. And that's, I think, what makes me so upset that Mike is his number two, because you see in podcasts too, um, folks that have been with Logan for a long time, there will be Logan and Mike on one side of the podcast table and it will be George or they had another friend of theirs. It was like a guy who was into painting. And there will be these clips where Logan and Mike are just being total shitbag douches to like Logan's childhood friends and making fun of them. And I think Mike brings out Logan's worst qualities. And it's such a shame because I think if Logan had a different number two, like an actual coach, like helping him not doing what Mike is doing. I think he could be something really great. I think Mike's trying to get hired at Barstool, to be honest. I think that that's like he his long-term plan. of Barstool. He wants to suck Dave Portnoy's dick so bad. It's ridiculous. It's so telling that they're so obsessed with Dave Portnoy. Yeah, it's aggressive. And like, I think that, you know, for Mike, for me, it's the laugh every mm. single time it's his laugh that i know that he's evil because yes. of that laugh well what did you think of his relationship with lana rhodes uh i don't know but i feel like she's been through a lot and so i i don't know i just have like the softest spot for sex workers i really do um so i you know i i've just I feel for her I side with her whatever happened, I have I no idea what she saw in him like I would watch his vlog sometimes just the ones that she was in because she came across as so sweet so darling I you know I don't think there's much to her like I tried to listen to her podcast you know I, I didn't really find that much substance in her but I think she's a sweetie and I just have no idea to me it just showed how much of a manipulator he must be because you could tell that in that relationship she came out of it feeling like she was a worthless and worth nothing. And Mike just would not give her, she would be like, Hey, why don't we maybe move in together? And he would be like, you are insane for asking of that. How could you like, he just came across as the worst possible person. I hate, can, can you tell that I hate big Mike? I hate him, dude. I hate him too. I it's like, it actually shocks me how angry I can get about how much I dislike him, but you're right. I, I think that Logan, I would put all of my chips down on him too. And I also think like, you know, and I'm not even going to say this is my fault if it happens, because it's going to happen whether I want it to or not. I do think he's going to be our president someday. <laughs> Wait, shut up. How have I never thought of that before? Yeah, he's definitely going to be president. Like it just it's it's, uh, you know, he was made for it. And I feel like he's started already pandering to people with with his uh, Black Lives Matter speech. Oh, my God. Yeah, I will say that felt a little um. I don't know. So many influencers made statements during that time. And, 
who, who the hell am I to, you know, say if it seems sincere or not, but Logan Paul's definitely seemed like he wanted it to be, he wanted that bit to be clipped and put on Instagram reels and go viral. That was kind of the vibe I got from what he was saying about it. I mean, that makes sense. It makes sense. I, I've already kept you for way too long. So maybe this episode will just be, you know, vlog squad and Logan Paul blind items. But is there any anyone else that you want to put in here or any last things that you want to say about these two kind of like genres? Um, I do want to say that I think Moses is a bad seed. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fiance. Real quick. Should we do the Trisha Paytas blind item and just a little wrap up on her? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there's one last person we'll talk about Trisha Paytas. She had a blind item basically saying that uh, she's someone to be feared in YouTube because she has hours of the biggest YouTube and TikTok stars and can bring them all down with one massive post. And because of that, people are scared of her. Um, I could see that being true. I think people are scared of Trish because she's a loose cannon and you're scared of everyone's scared of a loose cannon. (laughs) Well, if Trish has footage of them, it's like her leaving her camera on a counter like pointed away you know what I mean like that's how she she films her own vlogs yes she would never be able to edit a hit video because she doesn't know how to edit her own videos this does seem like a like sort of like an amalgamation between like a Jeffree Star and a Trisha thing because I remember when everyone was like pretending to be afraid for their life around Jeffree Star, which I don't know, maybe they were actually afraid for their lives. I don't know. Like it always seemed hyperbolic at best to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But Gabby Hanna did go through that phase of being like, I feel like I need to have 24 seven security. Like, you know, there's people in my driveway and being stalked. Um, I think, I don't know what her deal is truthfully. Um, But no, I mean, the, the thing with Trisha is that you just can't tell her anything. that she won't eventually repeat and I think that she um is a very easy target I have a I do have a soft spot for Trish um for sure so um you know I I think someone like Moses you know saw Trish's insistence and said okay fine I'm in well, um, I, I bought Moses's act just like Trisha did because the first couple of months with Moses, I was like, oh, he just likes water and he's this nice, normal guy. And he's kind of the calm to balance out everything that's going on with Trisha. And then all of this information started coming out about him. And I started feeling sick with all of the bad vibes that I was now getting from Moses. And I was like, oh, my God, he's a snake in the grass. He is a snake in the grass. Well, I just was so, you know, I also gave him the benefit of the doubt because he's Ela's brother and Ela seems like such an even keeled individual to me. And so I, I just, you know, listen, I mean, there was never anything like 100% right about Moses, but the more that's come out about him and the fact that he's basically been like exiled from the family. Yeah. I think um, it, it doesn't, it's not looking great for Trish. One thing that keeps going around is that he's trying to get her pregnant so we can live off of like alimony and child support because he knows he'll be able to get full custody based off of, you know, all things Trish. Yeah. But I kind of just think he's like a user. He's there for the ride. I mean, Trisha's not fertile based off of everything she's ever said. So I don't know that she 
is like capable of getting pregnant. Um, but I, you know, I mean, listen, if Trisha Paytas asked me to come live in her house, I would do the same thing. Yes. Also the meals she cooks. I'm like, yeah, I would definitely eat buttered noodles with you every night and sleep on a California King bed. It sounds pretty nice. Go shopping, go to downtown Disney. Like, you know, I mean, Trisha spends money. Like it's her job. She's a, and she also like me, I think gifting is her love language. And so it would just be a gift party. If I have, I've often thought, wow, if Trisha would just let me in, I feel like I could really (laughs) help her. You very delusional about it. Yeah. Maybe they'll break up. She'll do another H3 bachelorette and you could apply. Oh no. I don't want to date her. I want to like be her best friend, but I know she can't have that. Didn't Trisha say that about Britney Spears? I think, which is so funny. She was like, if, if I only could have gotten, if only I could have like said hi to Britney before the conservatorship, I could have saved her life. Cause like we would have gotten on so well. And I was like, I would love to see a Britney Spears, Trisha Paytas collab. I believe her. Yes. (laughs) I believe women and I believe Trisha Paytas. I think she really could have probably, I feel that way about Britney. I used to feel that way about Aaron Carter, but I think I gave up last week. I'm like, I can no longer, I can no longer try and support. I can't, well, I'm, I know I can't fix you. I'll say that. Yeah. But this was so much fun, Shannon. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. And, um, I, I have to say, like, I'm just going to be keeping my eye out on the ballot for Logan Paul because I feel like everything you said today made sense. But Logan Paul being our president one day, that's just like, I feel it in my bones to be true. I mean, it's just the truth. It really <laughs> is. It, it Like once I thought of it, I couldn't unthink it. It just feels yes. like, again, I don't even feel like it's my fault if it happens because it's not me <laughs> manifesting it. It's his destiny. Yes, it's his manifest destiny. It's a little bit of both. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you so much. And uh, if folks want to listen to your podcast, you are Trend Lightly for entertainment pop news. And then Mother May I Sleep with podcasts for Lifetime movies. That's correct, right? Yeah, it's a really fun show. It's like three hours long. And a guest and I basically tear a Lifetime movie apart um, in all, like, you know, in all the good ways and the bad ways. I do genuinely sort of love those movies. Shannon, can I ask you? Yeah. A little fave. If you ever do Ariana Grande, can I come on? Yes, definitely. Yeah. And there's, there's a load on her. So that will have to be an upcoming episode. Yeah. I'm obsessed. Okay. This was, um, this was the best and I'm just such a fan. So, um, yeah. Thank you for having me on, babe. You're so sweet. Thank you for coming on. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that episode. We're going to get into some kind of like trending topics and just um, wrap up things I want to talk about real quick. The first one is I want to plug, you know, I cannot stop talking about Beyond the Blind, Celebrity Memoir Book Club, obviously Trend Lightly with malls. But if you are also, I feel like folks who are from The Bachelor um, are kind of in this in-between area of like, yes are they influencers and instagram models or are they celebrities i feel like they kind of fall between and i just wanted to plug the podcast she's all batch especially they have an episode that was done in november um technically last year okay anyway and the title of it is let's talk bachelor conspiracy theories and i just wanted to plug that you know when you go into a bookstore and they're like if you liked this book you might like other ones so if you like blind items and conspiracy theories about 
folks from Bachelor Nation. Um, huge plug to that episode. That one is going to have everything you want in it. Also, before we get into the tea and the trending topics, I just wanted to say, correct a mistake I made in last week's conspiracy theory episode. A couple people slid in and we were talking about what I said about Lyme disease. Basically, Lyme disease versus chronic Lyme. Um, I was confusing the two terms and basically misusing them. Lyme disease is not rare. Like a bunch of people get that, especially even in my family. My sister got Lyme disease and my grandfather who actually just passed away a couple hours ago. So I guess it's kind of kismet that this topic is coming up. Um, Anyway, but he, um, for years, he had Lyme disease and he never really cured it as in, you know, the way that he should have. And Lyme disease is kind of like COVID in the sense of like, no two people's experiences are going to be exactly the same. And my grandfather for the past like five years had had what people thought was Alzheimer's, but we kind of as a family had our own like little conspiracy theory going that he just had unresolved Lyme because he didn't get any worse over the five years. He kind of stayed the same. And anyway, I'm rambling, but I just wanted to say, um, I'm not like a Lyme disease truther. I do think that it exists. And I do think that, um, you know, Yolanda Hadid's experience might be different than others, but I definitely don't think that it's fake or anything like that. And I will say, I think a symptom of Lyme disease that people don't talk about has to be niceness <laughs> because everyone who slid into my DMs to talk about it was so sweet. And like, if anyone misdiagnosed or like was talking incorrectly about something I had in a podcast, I would be probably pretty pissed, but just thank you so much to everyone who like talked to me nicely about it. I, I love when that happens. It's rare on the internet, so I like it when it happens. Okay. Tea time. This one, I am so like literally rock hard to tell you about now because I actually have information. I am going to have to blind itemize this one myself, but I think you'll be able to figure it out. So somebody slid into my DMs and they said that they had some tea on an A-list actor that Taylor Swift recently has potentially maybe been making digs about with some of her re-recordings, if you could think about that. So she said uh, a friend of hers told her that his roommate, who's a male, slept with this A-list actor last month. Always knew that he was at least bi, but apparently the assistant goes on Grinder to find men for him, sign NDAs before revealing the name. She said, my friend, who's the most reliable person I know, and his friend, blah, 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 they were chatting on Grinder, and basically this person on Grinder said, do you want to sleep with a celebrity? You have to sign an NDA. So, of course, he signed first, but his friend was next to him while it was happening. Well, it was this A-list actor, and um, blah, 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 wait, hold on. Okay, anyway, it was the A-list actor. He sent a car, they slept together, and they told him he was fully gay, not bi, which makes rumors about a um, re-recording album conspiracy even stronger. Uh, So that's, I'm going to end the blind item portion of that. So anyway, on a allegedly completely unrelated topic, um, I was talking to the same listener of the podcast and we were talking about John Mayer and Jake Gyllenhaal and she had a really cool conspiracy theory about everything going on there, which I think was cool. She says that she thinks Taylor and Jake Gyllenhaal dated for PR and, uh, because there was a lot of gay rumors about Jake Gyllenhaal, like I said, completely unrelated from what I talked about a couple seconds ago. And she said that, um, you know, it was around Brokeback Mountain, Prince of Persia was happening. So 
Taylor dated Jake Gyllenhaal, but a lot of the songs she thinks on the Red album that are about this like toxic relationship with this older guy, she thinks are all actually about John Mayer. And I honestly, like the minute I read that, I was like, I could totally believe it because I always thought, and I said this on a TikTok live and some people were like, you're shaming Taylor Swift. And I was like, maybe, <laughs> maybe I am a little bit because here's the thing. I personally think that in the all too well, 10 minute long version, when she said like, I'll get older, but your lovers stay the same. I do not think that she wrote that back in the red era. I think a lot of the lines from that song were written recently to make the song longer because when she said, I have a 10 minute version of all too well, she probably didn't know that her fans were going to hold on to that. Like it was the new Testament of the Bible. So she probably thought, yeah, like we just jammed around on guitar and it was like, you know, whatever, eight minutes, let's round up and say that it was 10. But then everyone starts hyping this up. So she's like, okay, fine. Now I have to make a 10 minute version. And things like fuck the patriarchy, you know, those maps where they show you on Google how often a search term is being Googled. Nobody was saying fuck the patriarchy um, back, you know, whenever the hell Red came out for the first time. So it's just so weird that that would be in there. And also, I think it's really weird the line about I'll get older, but your lovers stay my age. Because first of all, A, how would you know that when you're dating someone? It's only something you would know 10 years after the fact. So I think that didn't really make sense. And also, this is where the, you know, pseudo shaming of Taylor Swift comes into, which, you know, I'm not shaming. God knows I've had age gap relationships of my own. But I will say she dated John Mayer before Jake Gyllenhaal, and she had in the song G or John so many references to don't you think 19's too young? I was too young to be played by your dark, twisted games, really going full force into the whole victim narrative, age gap. I'm young. I'm naive. You're old. You should have known better. And then what? You're just going to wait literally a couple of months and then start dating Jake Gyllenhaal, who's also an age gap thing. So I feel like Sure, you could be in two age gap relationships back to back, but then I feel like you don't really have a leg to stand on to be like, hey, John, don't you think I was too young? And hey, Jake, you know, I'm so young. And it's like, okay, if you're if you're cognizant enough to know that an age gap relationship has unfair power dynamics and things like that, you can't be in two back to back or you can't call them out. So that's why I think, let's say maybe allegedly, John Mayer is real, that was toxic, that was age gap, but Jake Gyllenhaal could allegedly be PR. But the only thing I don't understand, see, I'm like, <laughs> I know I try to act like I have the answers on here. I really don't for this one. We're all kind of working it through together. And the only thing I don't understand is if she never dated Jake Gyllenhaal, why, why would she let him get all of this bad press after the re-recording? So who knows? Another question that somebody wrote in, which I thought was interesting, because I know that a lot of you guys like to go rebind items yourself um, on the actual website. Somebody said, what makes a celebrity A-list versus B-list? And I get that question a lot because sometimes you're like, oh, I think it could be this person, but like, I don't know how the alphabetical ranking works. So here's the way I think of it. My kind of go-to barometer is always, do my parents know them or how do they know who this person is? One of my top few TikToks, which I find really random, is one that I did on blind items about Emma Watson. 
And in it, I didn't even call her B-list. I literally just read the blind items about her and the blinds called her B-list. And you would have thought that I called her like a pedophile or something instead. People were like, how dare you call Emma Watson B-list? She is beyond A-list. And I'm like, I'm sorry, she's not. Like, I think she's great. I think she does good work. And then they would also be like, how dare you call her B-list? She does so much good nonprofit work. And I'm like, yeah as a B-list actress. No shade to her, but here's how you can tell that Emma Watson is B-list. First of all, if you think of movies that she's done, obviously you have the Harry Potter franchise, but other than like Little Woman and the Bling Ring and Perks of Being a Wallflower, you really don't know who she is. And I was on Twitter the other day and somebody was talking about Emma Watson um, in a different movie, Little Woman. And they were like, oh yeah, when Hermione said this to Joe in Little Woman. And that's how you know that she's not A-list because people will always refer to her as Hermione. And if you ask your parents, who's Emma Watson? They're probably not gonna know, but they will know who Hermione is. But you need to have that staying power to be A-list. So obviously like Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet, like these are all A-list people that your parents would know like you could go kind of to any dinner party and bring up the person's name and people would know them and when i say people would know them i mean all the way across the board like not just people in our generation also you have to take into account the number of uh things that they've been in and how relevant they are right now so when i think a list like emma watson hasn't really been in anything timothy chalamet i'm pretty sure has been in like six movies in the past year honestly i'd be a little bit worried that he's gonna get overexposed at this point because he's like in everything i love him but he's in everything so because of the recency you would definitely consider someone like him a-list and last but not least um i was so excited that a bunch of people sent me messages when the Ghislaine maxwell verdict came out that she was found guilty um to me it was my love language everyone sending it to me along with a sentence uh, that said something along the lines of, I'm sure you've already been sent this. So uh, let's be very happy. She was found guilty on five counts out of six. And, you know, we're still waiting to hear what the sentencing is. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure it's going to be one of those sentencing things where she gets like 50 years in jail, which I always find a little bit ridiculous. She's not living to be like 130. So like, what's the point of doing that? But whatever. Um, I just want to say a couple things on it. I might first thing that I have to say is um, I am a little bit disappointed. I thought that more things were going to be revealed in the trial. I obviously haven't watched that many trials in my life, but I feel like the fact that not a single other person was brought up in this trial has to be pretty rare. It was really only Ghislaine and Epstein and anytime flight logs were shown or anything like that was shown, everything was redacted. And to me, like, sure, Ghislaine Maxwell being found guilty is, is great, But what was happening at the end of the day, sure, of course, it was the abuse of women and girls, but there was also so much blackmail and kind of using these victims as currency going on. And to me, that's something far more sinister because that's still happening. You know, if an abuser dies, the abuse stops. But what Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell created was an entire like lifestyle of using women to try and get information or, you know, basically using young girls as like currency. And that type of lifestyle can still continue even after they're dead. And that's like, we're not talking about that. So I really wish that more big names were being given up at this point. It kind of seems like she's the sacrificial lamb to take the heat off of everyone. So things can keep going on as 
you know, has, has been going on for literally hundreds of years. Like, I don't think there's been a time in history where young women weren't abused by powerful older men. Sorry. <laughs> um, my only hope is that I'm pretty sure Ghislaine Maxwell is a raging narcissist. So I feel like there's still a fighting chance. Like when she was in jail for the year between her first conviction and the actual trial, there were so many different messages from her lawyers being like, she's complaining of the smell. She's complaining of her toilet. She needs a hairbrush. She wants to be moved. Let's just say she did not have a good time in jail for that year so my one last hope is that she is a raging narcissist who cares so much about her reputation and there's a chance however small that in order to like kind of dig her heels in one last time and try to make sure that she doesn't get that long sentence for the rest of her life in jail that she might just either out of anger or kind of self-preservation list some names of other people i really hope that happens um but i don't know if it will and you know, I'm glad that everybody has accepted that things happen with Jeffrey Epstein, but I do find it really frustrating that like nobody ever apologizes to a conspiracy theorist. You know what I mean? Like even last week's conspiracy theory um, episode, I got a lot of flack from people being like, it is so dangerous to talk about conspiracy theories. And I'm like, sure, a lot of conspiracy theories, of course, are dangerous, but a lot of them are also correct and nobody ever talks about that. So I feel like we have to be fair and look at it from both sides when we do that. So those are the Ghislaine thoughts. All right. So thank you so much for listening. I am going to plug following me on Instagram if you stayed for this long. Not because, I, well, I mean, having followers, is, it is something nice, isn't it? But on January 7th, I will be interviewing... Um, how do I say this? My God, my actual Messiah, the person that like I never thought I would have the chance to in my life. Like it's really an out of body experience for me. That's right. I am talking about NT. I am talking about the literal founder of Crazy Days and Nights, the man, the myth, the legend who put together the blog and does all of the blind items, the entertainment lawyer. So I already have about like a million and a half questions that I want to ask him. I'm going to be like, I actually, even thinking about it, I'm going to have to take a Xanax beforehand or something because I am like so excited. That being said, I know so many people have questions about blind items and how this information happens and, you know, who's A-list or B-list, things like that. So I definitely want to source questions from you guys because we have this awesome opportunity to talk to NT. So um, I will be putting up on my Instagram stories those different poll questions where you can kind of write in what question you want me to ask during that podcast. So it'll probably be coming out um, late January. So head on over there and thank you so much for listening and just thank you for listening always. It's been a really fun 2021 with you and I'm excited to do this for another year. So have a good one, guys.